So first and foremost. I think the the addition of pant leggings is really when you start to see your heroes get watered down. Can't even muster the ability to play straight pants that one. Uh, which is a good argument for absolute rulers. Everybody is going to get behind me. They're going to love me, and my support numbers will go through. When you hang out with the hero, it doesn't go well for you. His grandfather yeah. took the cop and just slid it right through the bar. Okay. And that became the dominant way our family did it. Okay. And so, <laughs> in both of my marriages, they were treated to that. Okay, wait, hold on. Yeah, rage haiku. How do you imagine the rubber chicken My grandmother actually vacuumed in her pearls. Oh my god, it all makes sense. We've had the sexual revolution. It yeah. might have just been a Canadian standoff. We're gonna go back to 9 11. Dude, get over it. Mm-hmm. Nobody understands what the building is supposed to be. Agra has no <laughs> business being that thick. <laughs> when the cultists win, we all win. History of Time, where we connect nerdily to the real world. My name is Ed Blaylock. I'm a world history teacher uh, who uh, also dabbles in remedial reading. Uh, and for the last several months, as I've said repeatedly, I'm doing it uh, through the magic of the interwebs. Um, and on a, on a personal note, um, I realized earlier today that uh, my two-year-old son uh, turns into a Muppet when he gets excited. Uh, we went. We went he to the park. Smashes and, his and, hands together and opens his mouth a lot and dances. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yes. That too. <laughs> uh, but but we we went to the park. Um, so I, I mentioned in our last episode we we're we're in quarantine because mm-hmm. he tested positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. His mother and I both tested negative. We got retested today. We're waiting. It's going to be a tense three days until we get our results back. Um. And um, he, he, we went to the park because um, he, he went several days without getting any time outside at all. And we had a really rough night a couple of nights ago uh, where it took uh, close to three hours to get him to go to sleep because he Ooh. was just – it was bad. Um, and he was, he was just – oh, God, it was heartbreaking. He was just so unhappy like all day. And so we've we've made a point of making sure to get him outside, get him some fresh air, and I took him to the park earlier. And we were we were blowing bubbles. We were way well away from anybody else. Well, yeah, like, yeah. You know, it was it was fifty some degrees out, so there was hardly anybody outside. So, but we went to the park, and we're blowing bubbles. And he just got so excited, and he started making. At first, I thought it was like the, the first analogy that came to mind was Ewok noises. <laughs> And then, and then I, I said that to my wife after we got home. I said, "Yeah, he, he made Ewok noises." And of course, my 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 wife is is not a a geek by by birth. She's a geek by marriage, so she didn't immediately get Ewok noises. I had to say like Ewoks from Return of the Jedi. She went, "Oh yeah," and I said, "Well, okay, maybe it's more like Muppet noises." And she got that more quickly. Sure, sure. But you know how how very little kids. Mm-hmm. Toddlers mm-hmm. will just make bah, bah, oh, yeah, kind Ex- of noise expressions of joy. Yeah, yeah. He was he was just so amped, and oh, and awesome. even thinking about it right now is is yeah. This, this is why people have kids. Like for those of you who are child free, 
congratulations on all the extra money you have in your bank accounts and the and the and the expensive hobbies you're able to maintain and stuff. And That's the sleep awesome. That's that wonderful. you get. And the sleep. <laughs> the sex oh that you can God. have. Oh my God, the sleep yeah. and the sex. God <laughs> almighty, I miss it so. Not having but... to choose between the two. <laughs> not having one but the reason be the reason why you don't get the other. Yeah, you yeah. know, but but with with all of that being said, it was it was it was one of the moments where I went, right, this is why we did this. Yeah. This this is why we were almost really, really sad when we when we thought we weren't gonna be able to do this. This is okay. I get yeah. it now. I remember now. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded. So yeah, that's nice. that's what I got going on. How about you, sir? Who are you? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a Latin teacher from up here in Northern California. Uh, I am a father of two um, who just got kittens. And okay, uh, now, yeah, you're not saying that like like very frequently I'll hear somebody say, oh, they had, oh, oh, yeah, no, when you found out he had kittens, <laughs> like as a, no. as a, as a kind of old timey expression of like going hermitile. Right. That's not what you mean here. No, no. I in fact mean that we, oh. our household has increased its four leggeds by triple uh, what it had. Uh, and this time of the feline variety, not the canine variety. So, okay, I'm going to mathematically quibble a little bit. You had one forefoot. You now have three. Right, so you've increased it by okay, triple. Okay, so you increased by 200%. The total is 300% of what it used to be. Yeah, it's 300% of 100%. That's triple. Yes, but the increase was a 200% increase. You had one mm-hmm. plus 200% of one mm-hmm. is 300%. Yeah, I'm being mathematically pedantic. No, that's that's fine. But 300 is still yeah. triple 100. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, you tri- you 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 wound up with triple your yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. All right. All right. So anyway, uh, yeah, I, I've got uh, two cats uh, and a dog now. Uh, he barely notices them, which is cute. Um, but the the cats are <laughs> the most opposite extremes of personality types as you could uh, hope for from a cat. Um, one, I have yet to pet and so have my kids. The other just snuggles and cuddles and all kinds of stuff. The Mm -hmm. one comes out and plays briefly, uh, while I can see it. And then all night long, the two of them just play and have a great time. Uh, Mm -hmm. the other plays all damn day and then sleeps and then waits for his brother to come out basically. Uh, so it's, it's been really cool because I, you know, they say that you buy kids a pet to teach them responsibility. You don't, Mm. you buy kids a pet to teach them compassion and through compassion comes responsibility. That's why you get, get responsible is that sense of compassion. Uh, they have to learn how to differentiate and hold back like their enthusiasm because mm-hmm. it's like, hey, if you do that, you will never see this cat. Okay, and, so. and just to clarify, because uh-huh. I'm a cat person, and you know, my my family has three sets of four legs, all of them feline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I, I need to I need to say this. So, uh, are are you okay with with giving out the cats' names? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because so, so we Nipper, if if I remember right, mm-hmm. Nipper is the one that you are able to pet right now. No, that no, would be Nipper, Saxon. Nipper is the... Saxon. Saxon. Right. Yeah. Saxon Brian. Awesome. 
Um, okay. And uh, and Kipper Thomas. Kipper. Yeah. Kipper. Yeah. Okay. So so Kipper is the is the shy one. Yes. And Kipper is the tuxedo cat. Yes. Okay. This is, by the way, guys. This is all on Facebook. If you find Damien there, you can see the pictures because he's yeah. become just as obnoxious as the rest of us cat <laughs> people are in the last few days. I just want to say, as as your friend, I just yeah. want to say, uh, I I've, I've, I've found it. I found it really um, entertaining. Yeah, I bet. Uh, and and kind of affirming that <laughs> oh oh no it's not just me yeah like no it's okay once you get a cat this is just the thing that happens mm-hmm. is is your feed fills up with pictures of your cats yeah yeah um yeah and yeah so Saxon is mm-hmm. the is the love bug he is he is and he cuddles on Skura my dog all the time. <laughs> And he sits and, with my kids when they read. And it's cool because I'm teaching the kids. I'm like, if you're calm, he'll come to you. And he absolutely does. Uh, and Kipper is, if you're calm, you'll get to see him at the end of the day. <laughs> and you just need to be more okay. patient with him because he will not be yeah. as forthcoming with his affections. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm going to say mm-hmm. as a, as a long time cat owner yes, and, and with, with with some experience with rescue cats in particular, mm-hmm. um, if you are able to give him that space for long enough, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but I'm going to say it is entirely possible that he may wind up becoming truly the love bug. That's what I thought. Oh, over over time. Once once he gets comfortable, he may wind up becoming an even bigger lovey dovey than Saxon. Yeah, it's entirely possible. So, um, so like we we rescued back earlier this year. We we um, <laughs> in, in our case, our motivation was was not as noble as yours. <laughs> um, our motivation was entirely that um, my wife. Uh, was was getting uh, very very sad about the fact she didn't have a baby anymore. Ro- Robbie was getting Robbie was getting too big. He was turning into into a little boy as opposed uh-huh. to a baby anymore. And uh, I really put my foot down that we're living in an apartment. There's no way we're getting a dog. Like <laughs> no, like it would it would not be fair to a dog. Right. To have a dog in our living circumstances. And um, up until, I want to say a year before last, we had three cats, mm-hmm. two ginger buttheads and a, and a long-haired uh, Maine Coon. You know, you don't actually uh, have to say butthead. You could just say gingers and get the same idea across. <laughs> yeah, well, I, they, <laughs> they both deserve it. Um, it's Sam, Sammy's my boy. I love him dearly, but he's, he's a butthead. Um, and so, you know, and, and Orville was... 17 uh when when we wound up having to having to put him put him to sleep um because he was he 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 was just becoming too feeble his quality of life had had fallen too far Uh uh-huh um and so he he had been leanne's little gentleman he he was really her cat and so then we went for about a year and a half two years and she needed a baby so we went to uh the animal shelter here in Sacramento and uh, we found a black and white little girl kitten <laughs> and it was important it had to be a girl 
because she said, no, no, I've got you, I've got our little boy, <laughs> and I've got our two male cats. I'm surrounded by testosterone. I said, well, you know, the two male cats are both fixed. And she said, yeah, so are you. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 I got to keep mine. They just don't work anymore. <laughs> they work fine. They just of, don't leak. They just don't leak anymore. <laughs> they're, just, they're just not up to anything uh but that's a conversation for another time sometime let me tell you about the conversation we had when we went to the fair last summer and uh not this past summer but summer of 2019 of course in the before times yeah in the before times yes before the dark times before covid um and and have you found yourself talking like the little kid refugees from from thunderdome (laughs) like talking about the hockey clips yeah a little bit yeah yeah Okay, so in the before uh, times, the, you went to the, the fair. Conversation when we, when we went to the fair and we were looking at longhorn cattle and saw a steer and she went, oh, hey, babe, you can talk to him. <laughs> I like your <laughs> wife a lot. I don't know if she knows that, but please let her uh, know. No, she, she, she does know, okay, and good. I kind of hate both of you a little bit. Um, <laughs> I mean, I love you dearly, but God damn it. Um, yeah, well, I'm not as neutering. So, so. so anyway, so yeah, so anyway. <laughs> Uh, so, so we wound up, we wound up getting a, getting a female black and white cat named Luna, mm. uh, who, who fits really well with our younger ginger butthead named Ron. Oh, so yeah. Cause, Going cause we took him home. Yeah. Well, we took, we took him home a couple of years ago and he was, uh, you know, a ginger and, uh, showed, a, a great many, a very powerful personality. We were like, well, okay, clearly he has to be a Weasley. Right. And so he became Ron. And then Luna actually came with her name, which I don't think was intended to be Luna Lovegood, but she is in fact batshit crazy. <laughs> so it kind of fits. Sure. Um, and she's also much smarter than, than Ronald. So that also <laughs> fits. Uh, and the funny thing is the two of them, at first, he was scared to death of her. Oh wow! Really uh, fits. Oh yeah. Uh, however, uh, they they have now gotten to the point where they are very clearly uh, brother brother sister. Like nice. they they fall asleep on each other. It's adorable. Nice. Uh, and and our oldest cat Sammy is just like yeah whatever both of you shut up get off my lawn fuck off. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I will we have we. Have, yeah, I was gonna say I will share with you briefly the uh, the way in which we named our cats. I I had the kids. My daughter loves being a chronicler, so I had uh, her split the whiteboard in our hallway on half in half and write down names. Just you know, tuxedo tabby, and then any name, no matter how bad or how dumb it was, you throw it up there. So everybody just throws names up there, and we had just two lists: one for the tuxedo, one for the tabby. And at first, I was like, all right, put your initials next to the ones that you like. Three initials are, is your favorite. Two is your second favorite. One is your least favorite. Um, and then all the rest, you know. Well, the problem is we came up with so many names that there was no overlap. And I was like, well, fuck that idea. So then I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going uh, to snake draft this. Okay, For those of you unfamiliar with the snake draft, um, person A, person B, person C. Person A chooses first, person B chooses second, person C chooses third and fourth, person B chooses fifth, person A chooses sixth and seventh, 
Once you're going, you know. So it's so it's like the the tartan pattern in a kilt. You go one way and then you turn around. You reverse it when you repeat it. Yeah, yeah. So you go okay. as the as the horse plows the field. Um. So and it was get rid of the names you don't like. So okay. Julia okay. erase. Right. William erase. I erase two. William erase. Julia erase two. Da, 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 da. Okay. And right. and so and it was erase the ones you don't like. Don't worry about you getting yours erased because we all put a bunch on there. And we came down to Saxon being the name for the tabby. Cool. Simon was the name for the tuxedo. And Julia didn't like that. And I said, okay, well, tell you what. We will take Simon, because it did not get erased, and we'll put it uh, at the top of the list for the, uh, and we'll come up with a whole new list for the tuxedo. So now we've cleared the field, right? So boom, you know, come up with a bunch. Simon came up again. And she was upset again, and I was like, wait a minute, you could have erased that name any number of times this time, and you didn't. And she's like, and, and I really like the name Simon, too. And she says, yeah, but well, there were know, other names name on there that I didn't Simon. like. Yeah. And she said, yeah, there were names on there that I didn't like more. And I'm like, that's fair. Uh, and then we got okay. to the core of the issue, and she said, he got to name them both. I didn't get to name any. I said, okay, what if we... Go back to the last known name that we erased that was yours because William got to erase two and one of them was her choice. And so Kipper. And then I, I talked to William. I said, are you cool with that compromise since you got to name the other one? He says, yeah, that's fine. So we have Kipper and we have Saxon. I said, great. You guys both realize that you both named the cats and I didn't get to name them at all. They're like, yeah. I was like, compromise. I get their middle names. And so that's why we have <laughs> Saxon Brian. And we have uh, Kipper Thomas. I like it. Yeah. So that, that was is, that is that is a plus dadding right there. You know, I'll I'll take it because I taught them compromise. Yeah. I taught them you know all kinds of standing up for yourself. Yeah. It was it was good. Yeah. And so the cats yeah. are cats are fun. So that's what's new in my world. We were talking Very last cool. time about yes. cartoons. Yes. And I would love to get back to that. I, not that our audience in India and. Uh, and Italy isn't excited as hell about my cats because um, <laughs> it's clear that Wait, they are. Do, do we do we actually have an, an, an audience in India? Yes. India? Really? Yeah. Yep. Well, hi, folks. Yeah. Holy cow. Shout out to All our right, listeners cool. in India. Yeah, we right. go from India to Italy. I, I was stricken by the fact that it was, you know, two I countries. I was like, All right, cool. Holy moly. Yeah. All right. So uh, last time we talked about uh, four different uh, cartoons, and I figure this yes. time we can <clears throat> talk about more. Um, yeah. I'll go first, if that's okay. Yeah, well, okay. since you have, <laughs> what, three left and I have I one? Yep. So, yeah, you're going to need to No, start. I have two left. I have two left. Two left. Oh, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So the next one, you're going to dig this, Visionaries. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh. this- this one came oh, out in, in 1987. Yeah. 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 All right. And it's about a world where futuristic machines stopped working and they're thrown into a technological dark age. But there's also magic. And it's all due to a great conjunction. Yeah. This cartoon. Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. This cartoon includes the vocal talents of Peter Cullen. You might know him as Optimus Prime, Eeyore, Monterey Jack, and Xandar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mostly Optimus Prime, but yes. Yeah. 
I just love that he did Eeyore and Monterey Jack, too. <laughs> I was like, oh. And he was even Zartan's younger brother. Like, I was like, oh, cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Also Holy included uh, Jim Cummings. You, oh. You would recognize right. him as Hondo from Rebels. Yeah. Also Winnie Very the cool. Pooh. Yeah. Jumpy Squirrel, Tigger, Zummy Gummy, and also Monterey Jack. Wait. Yeah. There was a weird over a... Switch yeah. off weird there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. Also, Roscoe Lee Brown, who just has a badass name, but he was the narrator from Babe. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. So, you have two sides. There are the yeah, yeah. Spectral Knights and the Darkling Lords. Oh, see, okay, right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> right there. You give, me, you give me a phrase like Darkling Lords. <laughs> yeah. And I'm in. Yes. Like, I'm in so hard. And and I what I what I find what I really like about that is spectral knights. Mm-hmm. Very frequently when we hear the word spectral, mm-hmm. we think of specter like ghost or oh, phantom yeah. or something like that. But in this case, in this case, it's talking about the spectrum. Yes, it's related to the the spectrum of color because visionaries being mm-hmm. being the point. Um, this, this is, this is one of those cases I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm sure you have an answer to this, but uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say the idea for the toy line came up first <laughs> and then the cartoon showed up as like, Hey, how can we, what can we do with this idea? I think so. The, do, do you know? Uh, I okay. don't know for certain, but I do know that the, the toys were problematic to create. So I think the idea for the toy came up first. Yeah. But the cartoon was easier to produce than the cart than the, uh, then toys. The, the toys yeah. actually were. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and so now, now for those of you who are younger than Damien and I, what you need to understand when we talk about the toys being problematic to produce, the issue here is that every one of the toys, and I know this because I had two of them. Uh-huh. I had Arzon okay. of the Spectral Knights. And I had one of the Darkling Lords, but I don't remember which one because, frankly, the villains didn't have an awful lot of personality in the series uh, to me. Do you remember what the hologram on him was? I'm trying to remember. It it was – no, I don't remember off the top of my head. Do you remember the color of his armor? Red and black, if I remember right. Okay. So, because um, Arzon was all shades of blue and silver, mm-hmm. and he had a hawk. He turned in, in the cartoon, he turned into a hawk. Mm-hmm. And and so, again, for our, our you know, Zoomer and, and younger millennial uh, listeners who, who don't have any recollection of this at all, um, the, the toys for this series uh, had holograms, which yes. were new fancy oh my god's whoa high tech kind of kind of stuff in in 1987 um and so it 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 you know had had this you know three-dimensional image that was very clearly a holographic photo of a of a whatever object 
and the action figures had had that in the center of their chest and you could detach the little the little hologram off of their chest and and you know move it around like they had turned into whatever their alternate form was mm-hmm. and so arzon was a hawk i don't remember what the other guy was i want to say like a scorpion or something spider dragon maybe uh could be yeah that would have been cravex that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Mostly, what I remember was his helmet. He he had a helmet on that looked kind of like the helmet from the from the protagonist in Lady Hawk. Where similar kind of visor, yes. similar kind of visor to it. Yeah, and he had uh, like a bent axe of some sort. Yeah, yep. yeah, weird looking. Yeah, and and I was disappointed in the fact that because Arzon was was like the concept of turning into a hawk was like really awesome to me, mm-hmm. but I was really disappointed that his main weapon was like a weird mace axe thing. Yeah, that I think was very cool. But yeah. anyway, so yeah, I I'm I don't know if I've I've gotten ahead of what you were going to say about the cartoon by revealing all of that, but a I bit. Remember, yeah, I remember those action. I remember those action figures vividly. Oh yeah, yeah, vividly. So these two sides fight against each other uh, until yeah. Merklin challenges them to a contest. Not Merlin, Merklin. Well, of course, because yeah. you know. Now the you, winners you can't just have Merlin there. No, That'd be stupid. No. Uh, well, and murky, <laughs> you know. Um, um, all right, good point. The winners of these various challenges are granted animal totems who go on their armor and allow them special powers. Some get staffs that need recharging in a pool that was a peace zone, which I thought was really cool. Now the leader of the spectral knights is Leoric, uh, who gets a lion on his chest. Get it, Leo. Yep. Cool, cool wisdom-based yep. powers, actually. Uh, yeah. Darkstorm is his Darkling counterpart who gets a snail on his chest for being, quote, all around slimy. Like, Merklin says that to him. Wow. And, I had forgotten that entirely. Yeah. And he can so rot he stuff. So he got... And he can what? He can rot stuff. Oh, okay. So that makes up for having a shitty animal totem. Well, and it was it was because pretty... he had um like he had slimed his way past someone. Like he was really schemy and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, it, yeah. let's make yeah. him the lowest lowest crawler there is, but then let's like give it nefarious capabilities. Yeah. Yeah. Nurgle. Yeah. Sorry, my, so, for my for my fellow forty k fans in the background, Nurgle. Just saying. Chaos God of Decay, Rot, Corruption. There you go. There yeah. you go. Now, each of these guys has lieutenants and followers with different awesome abilities. Uh, it's basically yep. a King Arthur story, but with technological twists and the holograms and magical twists of the totems. And, and, and in the Arthur legends, there was not an anti-round table. Right. That's a new twist. It's, it's, I remember, I remember the cartoon and I remember... Even as in, did you said it was 87? 87. Okay, so that would have been sixth grade, so it was 12. Even as a 12-year-old, I was like, well, okay, I mean, the guy's name is Marklin, and, like, obviously this is King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Right. But the the introduction of a, no, no, it's not just that. There are, in fact, there is an anti-Round Table. They're, yeah. they're Pizza Hut. You know. Yeah. And that brought the twists. <laughs> nice. Thank nice, you. Nice. Well played. Well done, sir. So. Well done. I'm not even mad about that one. <laughs> Those two, really. But there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. 
so uh, let's see. They, it looked awesome. There was a comic book. There was a toy line that was pretty rad. And what I liked was that there were overall plot arcs. Um, mm. It wasn't just bottle episodes like many of the other cartoons in the mid to late 80s. Now, the appeal, of course, is the armor and the knight motif. Uh, secondarily, though, the world that it built was a world where things used to work one way, but now they don't. And I thought that was a nice deepening of a wrinkle. Like, it was not just G.I. Joe versus Cobra. Like, G.I. Joe versus Cobra was very flat, but the depth they found was in character development. And even that, mm-hmm. it was still kind of a return to Coda at the end of it all. But, like, Mainframe well, still had yeah. friend, had, had feelings for Zartana, um, you know, and, and, yeah. and stuff like that. You did have some character development. But in this, you had world development. And heroes and villains are similarly affected by this, which means that both are imperiled in a way that brings out their true natures, hence the totem stuff. And it's a large ensemble, so there's a lot of characters that can develop throughout the series. Someone surely would have become the comic relief, and the upright nature of all the knights could have gotten challenged or seduced. And unlike G.R. Joe or Transformers, the other two big ensembles of their time, the villains are actually competent and kind of interesting. Uh, often, I think, more than the heroes. Now, good. Well, yeah. okay, being the villains being more interesting than the heroes is just like that's a thing. Yeah. Like, you know, because because as as people in the world, we all we all identify with the hero, or we all we all realize that we should want to be the hero, right? But we identify with the with with whatever it is we see in the villain that you know is our own perceived flaw, flaw weakness, yeah. you know, that's true. And so and so you know that's that's the reason that you know everybody everybody roots for the hero, but everybody also you know gets a kick out of a really good villain. True, because that's true. You know, I mean, there's that, and there's the escapist nature of like, you know, if I could just be as charming as Tom Hiddleston's Loki for like 24 hours, <laughs> sure, like, you know, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, that's that's yeah. So I mean, that's just a thing, but yeah, no, the 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 characters not being cardboard cutouts, mm-hmm. I think, is a recurring theme in in all of the series that we're talking about is, yeah. is that I think, I think most of these series, tiger sharks, maybe not so much, but um, you know, the, the rest of the rest of what we're talking about is part of the reason we want to see more of this is because the writers were actually like, no, 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 seriously, let's, let's spend some time thinking about these people. Well, you know? I, I would push back a little bit. There's one that I'm going to bring up later where it's all cardboard cutouts. And that's the point. Um, okay. So it's going to be fun. Okay. But so in, in this series, is, but okay. In this series, good was good. Okay. But it yeah. doesn't mean that they were competent or even right or necessarily nice. Right. And if so I there was this mild correctly. subversion of the value of order throughout the entire series, even though it's knights and lords. Now, unfortunately, it only got one season of 13 yeah. episodes. Yeah. What is what is with you? I don't know. Like holy shit! I don't know. Now it was canceled Uh, for the same reasons that Transformers, Gem, My Little Pony were canceled, and for the same reason that GI Joe went to Deke. Uh, Hasbro and Marvel Sunbow ended their business relationship, and that was it. 
Really? That was the only reason. No shit. Yep. That sucks. Yeah. Like, like I cannot begin to tell you how uh-huh. disappointed I am to hear that that, like, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, that actually disappoints me even more than the reason why my number one series got canceled. Speaking of which, which I haven't, which I haven't gotten to yet. But, why don't you get to it? Unless you want to talk a little okay. more about visionaries first. Well, I, w- I want to talk. I want to. I want to spend yeah. a second more on visionaries because it really, it really captured my imagination in a really big way. Mm-hmm. And and it actually does kind of tie into the next series that I'm going to talk about. Um, I have a actually, visionary oh, story, just so you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you do your thing first. You you, you do well. That. Okay. Well, what, what I'm going to do actually means kind of kind of starting with my number one series. So I, I want to hear your visionary oh, story, okay. and then I'll I'll so kind I was, of tie visionaries into what I'm talking about with the other one. I was a freshman or a sophomore in high school. Okay. And I befriended an upperclassman, and he and I got to talking about visionaries. And okay. then one evening, we hung out, and we went to Blockbuster. And we picked up Visionaries. Holy shit. And we watched it. Okay. Yeah. And there you have two high school guys. Not talking about girls, not talking not not getting high, not anything. Just <laughs> watching Visionaries. Well, we know not getting high because it's you. But right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. just watching Visionaries. There you go, man. <laughs> it's just I mean, I mean, that's a defining moment of, of like, you know, when you really knew you were a geek, yeah. but like, <laughs> and no, being excited you know, about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's fucking awesome. Yep. <laughs> like, dude, no, uh, my, my last series mm-hmm. is Thundar the Barbarian mm. and it's a Hanna-Barbera property. Mm-hmm. It ran from 80 to 81 and then did a very short period of time in syndication. So my memories of it are from when I was very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is... Um, well, they're from when I was very young. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> like, no, dude. Come on. <laughs> I was seven. That counts as very young. So... Um, Thunder of the Barbarian was a Saturday morning cartoon. I was three. Yeah, whatever. Bite me. Uh, and it was created by Steve Gerber. Of the now, Gerber it, knife family, yeah. It, it, funny. No, it's the... No, the baby food fortune, yeah. No. Howard the Duck. Oh, okay. That was my okay. fourth guess. Yeah, okay. As a as a as a Marvel guy, I'm surprised you didn't go to that quicker. But <laughs> he's he's not, notably he's the creator creator of Howard the Duck. He's a uh, Eisner Hall of Fame comic book writer, mm-hmm. uh, and he's also well known to to really really hardcore comic book fans as uh, the author of a very important run of Marvel's Man Thing. Okay. And so he he came up kind of with the with the basic idea, and he brought in Jack Kirby. Him I've heard of. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, who needs no introduction <laughs> uh, to do the visual design for the show? Okay. Wow. So so. Whoa whoa ser- whoa! Back it up! Back it up! Pedigree. He's doing Jack Kirby's helping him on that. 
This yeah. is the same time that Spider Friends is out. Spider Man okay. and his yep. amazing friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stan Lee's doing that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So so this show has has like a serious pedigree. Mm-hmm. Right? Like like so much other stuff in the early eighties, and, and this is kind of how, how it kind of ties into visionaries. It's a post apocalypse storyline. Okay. So visionaries, of course, is there's a a planetary conjunction that, you know, reawakens magic and causes technology to fail. Right. Okay. And and introduces a new dark age with magic and, you know, Arthurian themes. Mm -hmm. In this case, uh, and and this is this is part of the intro to the to the show at the beginning of every episode, they told you a runaway planet passes between the Earth and the moon in 1994. Ah, uh, okay. It, it does Causing, the standard just a little farther into our future yeah, than we are. Only, yeah. only even even a shorter period of time than normal. Because what, yeah. what we've, what you point out regularly, and, and what we've established is usually it's like thirty years. It's yeah. Like, okay, let's do one one demographic generation forward. Yeah. In this case, it was thirteen. It was half that time. Hmm. So. Anyway, 1994, causing massive devastation and reawakening magic. So there's our there's our parallel to vision. Yeah. The story takes place then several hundred or even thousand years after that. We don't really know for sure. After New Earth has settled into a new equilibrium with weird climate changes and a moon that has visibly been cracked in half. Oh wow! Like like part of the part of the visual shorthand for hey kids mm-hmm, we're in a post apocalypse mm-hmm. was in the night sky the moon was Just visibly jagged. in two different okay. pieces yeah okay floating I mean like like orbiting next to each other but still clearly very separate and so uh, the story centers on um, our main character the titular Thundar the barbarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thunder's boon companion, Ukla the Mock, uh, who is very clearly a Wookiee, but not a Wookiee, <laughs> uh, okay. you know, speaks and speaks and growls and snarls and, you know, big eight foot tall, hairy thing with a monstrous kind of face. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and funny story about Ukla, uh, the, the, uh, 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 Gerber and one of his comic writer friends who he'd brought in to help him with the project uh, were going on a walk in the evening and they, mm-hmm. were, they were talking about this idea and, and uh, Gerber was really angry that the network was basically saying, no, no, you got to have this eight foot tall, hairy, you know, Wookiee character. Hmm. It was like, man, I don't want to do this. I, I don't even know what to name the guy. <laughs> and they were walking past the UCLA campus and his friend turned to him and said, how about you name him Ookla? <laughs> That's so and bad. Go. Yeah, no, but it's... I mean, it's great, dude, but... But it's awesome. Yeah. And so, Ookla the Mock. And so, uh, and then the, the third member of the heroic trio is Ariel the Sorceress. And uh, she has magical abilities specifically focused around being able to create like barriers and bridges of light energy. And she can blast foes with with light, like magic missile kind of kind of spell stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, you know, her costume basically looks like a one piece swimsuit because, you know, it's 1980. Right. You know, um, and it's, it's, and the thing is the storyline, okay. The characters are very heavily influenced by star Wars because like Ukla is clearly a fucking Wookiee. Mm-hmm. Thundar carries the sun sword which is uh, a, a hilt that is attached to his forearm. He's got a okay. bracer okay. with this gold-colored hilt on it that he's able, to, he's able to detach, and an energy blade springs out of it, and it's really clearly a lightsaber. He has blonde hair that's in very clearly a 1980 version of a Luke Skywalker, you know, Cassidy haircut. Right. You know, I mean, there's there so many things about this that are like, okay, so you're borrowing an awful lot from star Wars. So this is a lot of derivative stuff there because like this made a shit ton of money. Hey, you know, um, and, and so we, we have all these elements that are, that are very clearly, you know, influenced or, you know, lifted from star Wars Mm -hmm. and the storylines are all pretty, pretty like the plot lines of the stories are all pretty formulaic, but, but, the world building in this is absolutely amazing. From the opening credits of every episode, you see that there is an entire planet mm-hmm. of weird shit. And our main character and his sidekick and his kind of romantic interest, like it's clear that they have feelings for each other, but they never admit it mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He never admits it. Like it's clear she... she likes him and, and he kind of admits that she matters to him, you know, cause eighties masculinity. Right. Uh, but you know, uh, and, and kids show. So like how much can you really do? But, sure. um, but, but it is, it is this wonderfully weird. And I mean that in the sense of like, like, uh, uh, weird fiction kind of way every every episode or every story arc because they would have they would have story arcs that would involve more than one episode to resolve mm-hmm. and in one of them a sorcerer some wizard has wound up in a position of dominance over some innocent group of people and thundar and ukla and ariel are you know liberating one group of people after another from the machinations or domination of one wizard after another. Mm-hmm. And there's this wonderful blend of magic, like no kidding, weird fiction, sorcery, you know, magic from beyond the stars, weirdness stuff with super technology. Like, like one of the wizards has super tanks with laser cannons because this all, you know, the cataclysm took place in 1994. So that's right. all technology from before the fall, you know, and, and it's, it's, um, the feel of sorcery and super technology was very like Blackmore D and D, uh, or, and I'd, I'd be willing to bet money that when Kevin Shimbieta or however you pronounce his name wrote rifts in 1990, mm-hmm. Thunder the barbarian was one of his influences. Oh yeah, because the, because the whole idea of rifts, of course, for anybody not familiar, uh, is is there's a massive cataclysm as magic returns to the world, 
ley lines open up and magical energy is released and earth becomes a like grand central station in a massive interdimensional set of, of like, like it's a link between multiple different dimensions and universes and everything. And like when, and, and so you have super technology and giant robots and powered armor and laser weapons, and you have wizardry and demons and all of that. Sure. And so like looking at thunder of the barbarian and looking at rifts, I'm like, there's no way this wasn't an influence. Right. Right. You know, and, and all of the, all of the background art in, in Thundar is this amazing, like tell Steve Kirby, I want, or Jack Kirby, sorry. Don't know where that came from. Tell Jack Kirby, I want you to do post apocalypse and, and have the apocalypse happen 20 years in the future. And just let him run with it. And like, I want, I want everybody in our audience who knows who Jack Kirby is to imagine that for a moment. And then let me tell you, it's even better than that. Nice. Like, and, and, and it only got two seasons. Okay. 80 and 81. And it got shelved. In favor of Laverne and Shirley in the army. I remember that one. Mm. <laughs> like, like I want to find the executive of the network who made that decision, and like, I don't even know what I want to do with them, but I want to, I want to do something to them. <laughs> like, like, I, wanna, I, wanna, I just want to slap them repeatedly. Like, yeah. really? You have Jack fucking Kirby doing the art for this. You have a guy who's going to go on to become a, a, a hall of fame comic book writer doing the development and the writing for the storyline for this show. And you're going to replace it with what? (laughs) Like not even anything that makes you any fucking money. Like, right. If it was (laughs) like, how does this fucking happen? So, so, you know, um, and what I find interesting, you know, talking about this thematically, because when we, when we talked about doing this episode, we kind of, we told each other kind of what, what some of our, our series were going to be. And I knew you were going to be doing visionaries Yeah, because we both mentioned visionaries and I was like, no, no, you, you do visionaries. I got, I got another one that that I want to do instead. And, and this was it. And what strikes me is, so Thundar is 8081. Mm-hmm. Vision is 87. And in both cases, we have a post-apocalyptic storyline. Yep. And we have the the overt mention of technology failing or being sidelined in favor of magic and sorcery. True. And I think it's interesting what that says about the the popular mindset of the people who were writing this stuff in the 80s mm-hmm. um, in the case of thunder of course 80 is the year reagan got elected yeah we were staring down the barrel of nuclear annihilation um i find it interesting that that this apocalypse is not a nuclear apocalypse it's a cosmic apocalypse it's caused by a a runaway planet which scientifically would be a rogue planet but anyway 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, in in eighty, of course, the second oil crisis was basically just behind us, right? And so, you know, and 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 so there was a very strong post-apocalypse feel to everything about Thundar. Mm-hmm. And even though, and 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 the emphasis was not so much on the apocalypse; it was on this is a new world. Yeah. And I and I find it interesting, you know the 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 focus in Thundar on the transformation of the world, a thousand you know a hundred years, a thousand years, however long it was after the fact, as mm-hmm. opposed to what you pointed out in Visionaries, that apocalypse was like last week, mm-hmm. and everybody in Visionaries was still working to try to figure out how to get used to <laughs> right. This new, you know, it's it's like the difference between The Walking Dead and um, Fear of the Walking Dead, mm-hmm. you know, uh, thematically. And I just, yeah. So I mean, that's okay. that's kind of kind of where where my head goes thinking about those two series. Well, you know, if you think about uh, the day after comes out two years later. This is true. You know, uh, post-apocalyptic stuff is is been there since the 70s, really, because you had um, the late great planet Earth. You had, I mean, there's a lot of apocalyptic writing in the 70s yeah. because in, I don't know what was, well, I do know what was going on in the 70s, but I also know that there was the influence on religion as well um, regarding the 1970s because... You had um, uh, the 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 evangelical Christian movement and the concept of rapture shifted um, from a secular Christianity of activism and making the world a good place, so that when Jesus comes, uh, he's going to be happy okay. with the job that we did. To, to when Jesus, Jesus comes, coming, everybody look busy. Yeah, well, not just look busy, but like he's gonna pluck me off of this planet and fuck all y'all. Yeah. So you know, he was yeah. not eminent, but imminent. You know, and it's it's there's yeah. a decided shift there. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a there's a very definite shift in focus. So, and I think Lord, if you look Lord, at we we have to we have to make sure we are the elect when he comes. Mm-hmm. And if you look, got to make the world ready for him. And if you look philosophically, um, existentialism gave way to absurdism. Absurdism gave way to deconstructionism. Okay, you know, yeah. and and oh, <clears throat> deconstructionism gave way to postmodernism, and and all of those are inherently self-centric. Um, and okay. and people okay. are looking inward, so. An apocalypse doesn't seem like an unreasonable thing uh, to expect uh, or to be focused on because apocalypses tell us about ourselves. They tell us about what we would do in, in a stressed situation. Okay. So I can see that. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and and everybody was operating with the kind of idea that we were at five minutes to midnight. Yes. Yeah. And, and so anybody's theory about what that midnight might look like was of interest. Absolutely. If that makes sense. Yeah. The yeah. way I'm saying that. 
So I think that's you where know, you're going to end up with yeah. more apocalyptic type stuff. Well, yeah. yeah. You know, when, 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 when the United States Department of Defense is actively pursuing mutually assured destruction as, you know, as the a way policy. to stay safe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Wait, let me think this through for a minute. Like, you mm-hmm. know, and, and the, and the thing is, you know, post facto, we can look at the thought process. I don't want to say logic because it's like, it, logic, it has it an internal logic. Emotionally, yeah. It has an internal logic, but yeah. logic emotionally doesn't feel like it fits. Right. But you, you look, you look at the internal logic of the, of the thought process and you're like, okay, I can see mm-hmm. how you got there. Mm-hmm. The but premise is the flawed. Fuck? Yeah. But, but yeah, but retroactively, what the yeah. fuck, man? Like, well, speaking of, you know, what the fuck, man, uh, I have okay. two cartoons left. Okay, uh, go. The first one is The Inhumanoids. Have you ever heard of The Inhumanoids from 1986? Oh, I think I have. Right. This, I is think a, I have. this is a Sunbow cartoon, and it was part okay. of an effort to run cartoons on Sunday mornings, too. Right. And Inhumanoids okay. totally felt like a Sunday morning cartoon. It was the B squad <laughs> of cartoons. There was less pizzazz. It was also run on syndicated networks because football was on the big three. Oh, dude, I remember this one. Yes. I remember this one. This one fucked me up. It fucked a lot of people up. Uh, I'm not so, even... Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this this is horror meets cartoons on Sundays. Yeah. yeah. This featured the vocal talents of Michael Bell, uh, who played Duke in G.I. Joe. He played Drew Pickles in Rugrats and Lance in Voltron. Uh, it had okay. William Calloway, who did Aquaman in Super Friends, and Professor Keenbean in Richie Rich. Um, okay. And it had Ed Gilbert, Baloo from Tailspin, and uh, the priest from Johnny Got His Gun. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so there's a group of people called Earth Corps, and they are subterranean explorer scientists in clunky personal armor. Uh, and they accidentally are going to unleash evil creatures from under the ground. They find yeah. Decompose, who's encased in amber in Big Sur, and they unleash him unwittingly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. There's, there's, oh my God, yes. the level of, the level of Eldritch horror. Decompose. No, I don't remember nah. the voice, but I remember. Is, is that the one with the exposed rib cage? And yes. The skull? Yes. Y'all fucked me up. Yeah. Now there's a bad guy Not industrialist anything. named Blackthorn Shore, and he sees profit <laughs> in these explorations. And Such he, a great fucking villain name. <laughs> so awesome. He unleashes Tendril, a monster that frees decompose who is on display in San Francisco. And I think that's what really twigged me about this cartoon. It was based in a city that I knew. Uh-huh. So most cartoons were set really far away from me, you know, and this was all in California and it was for the most part in San Francisco. Now the earth core are invaded are, are aided by sentient redwood trees, an ancient race called the Mutores or Mutors who have sealed the evil subterraneanly. Uh, the leader of the okay. of the Inhumanoids is a guy named Metlar, and he's kept in prison by Magnacor, another mutor who's keeping the Titan at bay. Now, eventually, okay. the, the government gets involved and summarily cuts the budget of the very people who are trying to keep evil underground, 
which then enables the evil Blackthorn Shore Corporation to use his own metal magnetic suit, uh, schematics which he'd stolen from Earthcore, like a good industrialist would, uh, to control the evil that is Metlar. Of course, guess what happens with, you know, he's powered by hubris. Yeah. So the whole series has a full plot that we can actually follow. Powered <laughs> by hubris. <laughs> Look for that, the that H needs label. To be, that, that needs to be on TV trips somewhere. Powered by hubris. I love yes. that. That's brilliant. Okay. So uh, there's an actual plot that we follow all the way through. It's not bottle episodes. And there's several subplots that are also playing out. There's a ton of of environmental stuff that's tied into what happens when these malevolent creatures rise up and affect the world that we live on, and they make use of nuclear armament build that has occurred during the Cold War, as well as an effort to work together with Soviets to stop these issues. So there's a lot of taking on Glasnost and Perestroika. There's a lot of taking on mutual arms reductions and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And this show is deep. No pun actually intended. Uh, it's, Which is rare. I know. On this show. <laughs> it's got horror elements. It's kind of reminiscent of Lovecraft. It's um, immensely yeah. uh, reminiscent. I mean, you know, speaking as the guy who, you know, tangentially referenced Lovecraft when talking about Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no. That's, uh, you know, I mean, you know, de- decompose. Mm-hmm. Is and and I mean, let's talk about tendril, tendril for yeah. a second. Yeah, uh, is is like clear. obviously a Cthulhu XP, mm-hmm. like you yeah. know, uh, you know, towering figure, uh, you know, tentacles, mm-hmm. tendrils. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like might be a mollusk, might be seaweed. We don't know, right? Like, and yeah. it feels very Greek Titan. Uh, I can't say that Titanomachy. Titanomachy? Titanomachy. Thank you. Uh, I am guessing. It's got that, too. You're keeping these things under wraps, you know? Uh, It's got character development. Uh, Permanent things actually happen to the characters, and uh, there's a lot of internal struggles for some of them. So it was just really different from the rest of the cartoons that we saw in 86, and it was one of the first proto-environmental cartoons, and it took it on in a very different way. Yeah, and, and I really want to dive into that a little bit. Scientists talked to trees for advice on things that they were clearly going to impact the world in a horror-based va- horror environmentalist way. It also had political corruption and corporate backing of that same thing as a backdrop to what's going on with a Senator Masterson, who is a do-nothing senator who cuts the funding at Shore's request. Right. Highlighting, right. Highlighting shit bag. Yes. Shit bag politician. That's right. In the pocket of a massive mm-hmm. conglomerate. Yeah. Yeah. I vaguely, you know, I never caught very many episodes of this, but I remember, like I said, it fucked me up because sure. Decompose yeah. was like terrifying. Yeah. Like, like, I remember thinking at the time, like, this is a cartoon. Yeah. So, Holy moly. Yeah, this highlights the importance of a budget when it comes to power over scientists and the ambitions that politicians seek to wield. He how fucking adult is that? Right. He decides to run for president and he gets easily manipulated by Shore and Metlar. 
I, I would just point out, you have a guy who decides to run for president who is easily, easily manipulated by a foreign power. And, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, and, and corporations. Yeah. Uh, he bumbles. He has no real platform. He tries to convince... He tries to crib talking points from his opponents for president. At one point, he says he's a, quote, conservative liberal and a liberal conservative. Um, little did we know that that would actually work uh, in the 90s. Um, <sighs> Sadly. But this, this was back when those terms yeah. meant stuff. Um, and he's an idiot <laughs> running for president on a populist platform who comes dangerously close to getting into office. I mean, <laughs> could you imagine? Does it still count? Does it still count as dangerously close if somebody succeeds? That's even more dangerous. Is that dangerously close. close yeah. or yeah. is that is that a dangerously thing? dead on? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fuck me. Now, do you remember in GI Joe that there was a a reporter whose name was Hector Ramirez, and he was questioning the value of GI Joe? Yeah. He's in this vaguely. He's in this. Wait. Wait, wait, back up, back yeah, up, yeah. back, back yep. the fuck up. Yep. The same character. Same character. And he so was this literally, this literally happens in the G.I. Joe universe. Like we could point to a concrete link. Yes. Well, not only that, this also exists in the gem and the holograms universe. Fuck you. <laughs> the, the Geraldo Rivero send up of Hector Ramirez exists in all three. He's the host of 20 questions. You, you what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Folks in the listening audience, you cannot see my <laughs> face, but like my mind is blown here. Like, wait. Yeah. You're telling me mm-hmm. Inhumanoids, Gem and the Holograms, and G.I. Joe all happen in the same universe. Yes. And the Inhumanoids. And we... Yeah. How the. <laughs> Dude, yeah, this is this is earth, literally earth shattering. Like, come on. Yeah, well, and and as the host of twenty I questions, I want to see that. Okay, somebody yeah. on the internet already knows this. I need to find the fanfic crossover. Here. <laughs> and as the like, host I of eat as the host of it. twenty questions, he generally just gets in the way, bumbles his way through. Uh, tries to be sensationalistic, and then he tries to get his Q factor up as much as possible. Well, yeah, yeah. So this because uh, it, it was the okay. This was eighty seven. This was eighty six. Eighty six. So this is. It's right after he opened the, Al Capone's late, vault. It's late. Well, it was late Reagan era. Yeah, is what I'm getting. Yeah. yeah so yeah. so yeah, portrayal of the media is going to be colored by that. Yeah, well, and Geraldo Rivera being really popular. Being, yeah, being yeah. who he was. Yeah, so. and still is, really, actually. Mm-hmm. Oddly. Hi. Hi, Geraldo. How you doing? So, this show... If we actually, If we actually get his attention, I'll be stunned. But yeah, like, yeah. Geraldo, so, Geraldo, th- fuck you. Anyway, moving on, sorry. This show was canceled because the toys were too big to be affordable by the parents. Yep. So Sunbow said I, you can stay on for the full run of 13 episodes, again, uh, provided mm-hmm. that you let us advertise other products for more successful series on it. Wow. How how obviously crassly 
capitalistic manipulative can you possibly be? Yeah. Wow. So, so I want to say, mm-hmm. um, I remember seeing a decompose. Yes. Figure. Because you could put other figures figure. inside it. Yeah, because yeah. because his cage opened up. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, it was fucking terrifying. Yeah, it was like, iconic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there was slime and, that you could pour over it. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's um, yeah, like <laughs> there was a combination of fascination and absolute horror involved, mm-hmm. um, because it was basically a horror cartoon. Let's not lie. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I remember seeing it. I remember looking at it, going, "Oh my god, that's huge!" And I remember personally having like no interest in it at all. I would bet. Like I remember seeing a couple of episodes of the show and realizing this is this is really this is this is a big this is a big idea show mm-hmm. and not really wanting to engage with it yeah. very much beyond that. Like I I feel like this is a case of like nowadays a series like this could do really well on a niche network like you know Cartoon Network. Sure. You know, uh, as a as an animated series for adults, mm-hmm. but because of animation ghetto in the eighties, it was targeted at kids. And on the one hand, that's kind of cool because let's not talk down to kids. But on the other hand, it was clear that the writers really had a lot of stuff they wanted to do. That it's yeah. like you really need to be given a budget and mm-hmm. like the 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 freedom to engage an older audience. Yeah. Yeah. Like look at look at what has been done with, you know, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power and Voltron mm-hmm. on Cartoon Network now and be like like no, we're not we're not targeting 8-year-olds. We're targeting 20-year-olds. We're targeting, right. you know. Yeah. I I think I think for everything that you've talked about with what it had to say about politics, what it mm-hmm. had to say about all of those themes. I really genuinely, I, I totally agree with you. This deserves more, more time and attention. And I really want to, I, w- I would want to see this revived by cartoon network mm-hmm. for an adult audience because there's so much that could be done with this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now the last one I'm going to close with may well be my favorite okay. on the list. Okay. Um, and it is called the Toxic Crusaders. Okay. It's a cartoon that was based on the Toxic Avenger. Toxic Avenger, which a was trauma an film, R-rated trauma film, and it was in this cartoon is grotesque and brilliant overall. Okay. So it featured the vocal talents of Roger Bumpus, uh, who'd later go on to be Squidward. Okay. Uh, Chuck McCann, who was Duckworth in DuckTales. Yeah. Uh, and Katie Susie, famous for being Lola Bunny, and also Janine from The Real Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, oh, do you know this cartoon at all or no? I remember, like, title cards. Okay. I never watched it. Yeah. Because it was, it was a bit outré for me. Sure. It has it, it has one of the best theme songs. I'm the conventional one of the two of us, sure. so you know, clearly. It, it has one of the best theme songs there was. There 
toxic crusaders, toxic crusaders. And then some words explaining what happened to them very specifically. And then okay. toxic crusaders, toxic crusaders. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, how much how much time are we really going to spend on developing lyrics for this? Like, yeah. Let's, well, let's it was a minute and six seconds are. long, the song was. But yeah, it, okay. it absolutely okay. talks about, like, how how he got started. And it tells you the very specifics of, you know, like there, there's no subtlety in their in their song. It's great. So you follow a character named Toxie, who is a janitor turned superhero with tremendous strength and endurance due to falling into a vat of toxic chemicals at the gym that he's a janitor at. Yeah. Now, at the time, he was wearing a tutu and because he had to dress up for something, I forget exactly what, and holding on to a mop. Now, the mop, yeah. named Mop, uh, was also imbued with toxic superpowers. Um, okay. So it's kind of like a singing sword, except it doesn't sing. Oh, it's okay. a dancing sword. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. He's or a dancing mop. Yeah. He's joined okay. by Nozone, who is a pilot who flew through the ozone layer and then crashed into a silo of radioactive pepper. Oh, ozone layer. Mm-hmm. 80s. This was a big fucking deal. Uh-huh. So was Toxic Sludge, of, by the way. Well, yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, we heard a lot more in detail about the ozone layer as school true. kids. That's very you know? true. And, and um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the the scientists responsible for uh, chlorofluorocarbons, the, mm-hmm. the CFCs, yeah, yeah, for for damaging the ozone layer, uh, is the same guy who developed methylated lead in gasoline. Well, he just was. Yeah, was he trying like, to beat the guy who came up with chemical weapons in World War One? Like, what the you shit? You kind of wonder, don't you? Yeah, no, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a remarkably fascinating and like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Note out of um, A Brief History of Everything uh, by uh, Bill Bryson. Okay. Uh, which I highly recommend as a book uh, because you learn shit like that out of it. Um, and, it's, and it's written very entertainingly in general. Right. But yeah, um, wow. So, so yeah, because yeah, you know, in in the eighties, of course, as as school kids, we were bombarded. Yeah, with, with the recently you know discovered understanding that holy shit, CFCs are destroying the ozone layer. We got to stop using these things. Yes, and that's like the only sort of kind of environmental victory, like like real victory, I can think of in the course of my lifetime is that, you know, the ozone layer has largely recovered. Yeah. You know, because because we figured out we were fucking it up and we stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out we could actually do shit when we listened you know, to science. When, when, when we all decided to listen to scientists and, yeah. and follow their recommendations, we could fix things. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, they're also joined by Major Disaster, who's a military man who fell into a radioactive swamp and got the power to control plants, uh, which is my favorite guy in the series because of reasons that I'll illuminate in a minute. Okay. There's also Headbanger, who is a conjoined scientist and telegram delivery boy. They both fell into an atom smasher at the same time and ended up fused. Uh now, originally, this mono duo worked for Dr. Killamoff to do evil stuff, uh, 
but they switched sides because women liked Toxic Crusaders better. Okay, wait. Yep. His name was literally Dr. Killamoff. Yes. I love how that manages to be completely on the nose and vaguely Russian at the same time. Yes. Not even vaguely. Fuck yeah. vaguely. Yeah. It's just like, no, no, no. Wow. And okay. finally, you get the character Junkyard, who is a homeless man and a dog that refused together by lightning and a toxic sludge spill onto both of them. Okay. So, yeah. see, you started out with a lightning, and I was like, wait, what? And then you got toxic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Now, their antagonists are Zar Zosta, who is the ruler of Smogula, a different planet. And his chief agent is Dr. Kilimoff, who has to wear a rebreather <laughs> when he's on healthy planets. Psycho is the Cassandra of the bad guys uh, who always tells them in excruciating detail the entire plot of the episode and then they do stuff anyway and then he tells them. Uh, Okay. Bonehead is similar to Toxie. In fact, he was one of the gym rat bullies who led to Toxie's accident and then he got the same from Toxie. Uh, And then there's a bunch of others that the Fab Four take on. Now, it was a, a tremendously subversive cartoon. Think of all the heroes. Just just think of the heroes. They're all hideously deformed in some grotesque way, and yet they're heroes. So you know I love that already. Yeah, right off the bat, I can yeah. tell this is going to be fucking catnip for you. Okay. Yes. Now, yes. But right. also, you have a janitor, working class. You have a scientist who's stuck to a delivery boy. So you've got the, the, the merging of the working yeah. and the professional classes. You have okay. a homeless man and you have two military men. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. now this right. is a huge inversion of your standard Marvel and DC heroes where they're classically beautiful, except for of course the fantastic four, which I talked about, before. which we've gone into, which you went into in, in remarkable detail. Yeah. Previously. Yes. Now these guys are regularly roasting the lack of environmental policies and efforts. Um, and they're doing it in 1991. And they even lightly roast false activism with the character Mr. Earth, who does more harm than good. Okay, wait, back up. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, Mr. Earth. Yes. Sounds an awful lot like Captain Planet. Am Doesn't I, it? Am I... Oh, my Doesn't God. It? Wow. Now, this, this predates Captain Planet, but... Oh. Only by a few years. Really? Yeah, Captain this Planet is 91. I want to say Captain Planet okay. was 94, but I might be off by a year or two, because I usually am. So, yeah, Mr. Earth uh, does a lot more harm than good. Now, these okay. guys are common folks with common sense solutions to the problems that they see. They even take on the need for rent control in their final episode. Really? Yes. Rent control specifically? Yes. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Captain Planet did come out uh, the year before, so I was wrong. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. was going to say. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Earth cartoon. Yeah. So. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, at the end of it, like I said, they're fighting to bring uh, a corporate. They're fighting a corporation, basically. Um, uh, that is trying to bring them to account while being environmentally safe. So they're okay. trying to create rent control. They're trying to show 
why this corporation is bad and they're trying to be environmentally safe. Now, sadly, wow. they had planned a crossover with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but it never happened. That would have been perfect. Yep. It's like, hey, that you were made by Sludge like, too. Holy crap. Yeah. Now, the reason why is because they were canceled. Would you like to guess how many episodes they got? 13. 13. So I am yeah, five for five or coming. six for six. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And this yeah, deserves I, I'm so much sure more. Eastman, Eastman and Laird would have been like totally on board with that crossover. Yes. yes. Like... So in 91, there was so much more you could have taken on. Um, and, and, oh, and you could have oh, used Lord. those as breaks between the fights with the agents of Smogula. You had a homeless oh. hero. You had yeah. a class struggle hero. You had a split personality class struggle hero. You had two military heroes whose pensions were never discussed. Um, you had whose these... disability benefits were never discussed. <laughs> you <laughs> like, had like let's let's have a real conversation about yeah. the VA. Yeah, shall we? Oh, like they absolutely could have done that. Well, you know, you're not you're not actually suffering any kind of disability because you got superpowers. So, like, right. Sorry, you know you didn't disclose those superpowers when you signed up. We actually need to take back your signing bonus. Yeah, like yeah. that could absolutely like, be an episode. Yeah, that'd be totally an episode. Yeah, yeah. This show was so self-aware um, that you <laughs> it makes Tiny Toons and Animaniacs seem dim-witted by comparison. I'm sure. Like it, it just like the the Cassandra of the group that I told you about. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a psycho. Um, yeah. The the shit that he would say to Doctor Kilimoff, and and he would then just turn to the screen and blink while Doctor Kilimoff came up with reasons why it didn't work. Um, the cancellation might just be due to the fact that environmental saturation in cartoons existed at the time. Like we were saying, Captain Planet seemed to have everything pretty well cornered there. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles also were dealing with uh, with, with things some, like that. Had some, had some points they brought up, yeah. Mm -hmm. I can see that. But this show had cartoons and comic books and a video game. and every, It had a video game on the Sega Genesis. I vaguely remember that. Yes. It was so grotes grotesquely fun and satirical. So, See, and and this yeah. is this is another one. This is another one that like, if anybody in our listening audience knows anybody who works for Cartoon Network or mm -hmm. knows anybody who knows anybody who works for Cartoon Network, yeah, like talk to them. Yes, like get like, this show played. Figure out how to make this happen. Yes, like at least give this some more airtime. Mm -hmm. And and if anybody can be can be convinced to you know talk to Troma Works about the license for this, like yes. Dude, yeah. like there's there's no there's no reason in as we've as we've talked about before, like mm -hmm. we're living in now an environment where with the number of networks there are, you can make money. Yep. Not, you know, huge obscene killer money, but you can you can make a profit mm -hmm. finding a niche and and fulfilling the needs of that niche. Yeah. And like there are people who would watch this, mm -hmm. who, who would totally be like, no, no, seriously, you've got to check this out. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And, and not, and not only, you know, Xers like you and me, 
Mm-hmm. But Zoomers, oh, who'd, yeah. who'd be looking at this like, oh, wait, hold on, this is a thing? Mm-hmm. Like, really? You know, <sighs> like, there's there's no reason why why this this show or really any any of them that we've talked about mm-hmm. well okay maybe the tiger sharks because it was pretty <laughs> derivative but <laughs> you know the, the others that we've talked about are are all series that i think if if somebody took a look at him and said no you know what i can make that work you could make that work oh absolutely on, on sci-fi or on cartoon network mm-hmm. or somewhere I, I think there's there's legitimate reason, and especially with something that's dealing with important enough topics like the environment, like yeah. you know all the shit, like you know you, you talked about how much there was to attack in 1991, like how much more shit is there to attack in 2021? Oh, and this show was so self-aware; it could just say like, "Hey, didn't we deal with this in 1991?" Did we, Clearly, we didn't. Like 30- 30, 30 fucking years ago? Yeah. Like, how did this not get solved? And yet? then you would have somebody go, no, no, we didn't. And looking straight at the camera. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so, the Zoomers eat it the fuck up. So because, I told you my favorite yeah. character was Major Disaster. Yeah. Now, here's why he had the okay. power to control plants. At some point, the show had some sort of toxic waste facility that was disastrously spilling to- disastrously spilling toxins into the air and nobody could figure out how to beat it and major disaster used his power to lift it up and away solving the problem at the end now everybody looked at okay. him askance wondering how that had happened and he calmly explained to everyone that he could control plants and since it was a toxic waste plant Wow. That was therefore within his control. And everyone just accepted it. And that pun worked. And it's why it worked. And Psycho, the character who always talks, you know, tells the bad guys, here's what's going to happen. Yeah, here's what's going to happen. He had predicted it almost letter perfect. He said, what if one of the toxic crusaders actually has a hidden ability in like the way that they can express their thing and, and it can do exactly the thing that happened? Um, but Dr. Kilimoff, of course, didn't listen. The only flaw in his plan was the pun. So puns can save the planet. <laughs> and so you're sold. That's right. <laughs> you're done. Game over. But I remember in 1991 appreciating the shit out of that. Okay. <laughs> My star you know was, it's, it's, was there. It's, 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 it's pretty appreciable. I, yeah. I got to admit. There, there is, there is value in that. You know, I look at that as kind of a, I don't know if callback is the right word, but you know, you, you think about, um, you know, in, in folklore, mm-hmm. the way, the way language gets played with and, yes. you know, when, when heroes have special powers, special abilities and whatever. And, and, you know, storytellers would make a living out of twists like that. Yep. You know, even, 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 even without necessarily just being a pun, I, mm-hmm. I, I like, I like the kind of folklore. Well, you know, turns out it was a plant, you know? Yeah. And, and, oh, well, okay. That works then. And everybody, <laughs> you know, oh, it's so like, good. Okay. All right. We're, and, and we're walking, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. No, I, I ain't even mad. Yeah. I, I, I feel no need to say 
good day, sir. I, I, that works for me. So if we're, especially when you're, and especially when you're dealing with something that is overtly satirical. Yes. I think, I think. And self-aware. Yeah. I think there's, there's a real value in giving kids because again, this was in, you know, 90, you said 91, 90, 91. 91. Yeah. So we're still, we're still dealing with, you know, kind of, kind of later end of, cause, cause it was shortly after this, that animation started to get a little bit more like you can be a grown up and watch certain cartoons. Right. But, but we're still dealing with, with animation ghetto, you know, it's a, it's a kid's medium kind of thing. And I think anybody who gives kids credit for being smart enough, savvy enough, whatever you want to say, to get the idea of satire, mm-hmm. I think needs to be needs to be recognized for that. I would agree. Because because I think I think there is there there has always been there continues to be sadly, but but it's it's a little bit less now. But I I know. In the '80s, there was this assumption that, well, you know, kids aren't necessarily going to get it, and the satire was always aimed at parents. Right. And you know, the thing is, if you actually spend any time around kids, like being a public school teacher, mm-hmm. you you understand this in a way that other adults don't. Kids get satire. Yes, like they do. in some ways, I think they get it better than adults do. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, like especially especially middle schoolers and early high schoolers like are in that are in that developmental zone where their bullshit detectors are on maximum sensitivity. And if you throw anything satirical at them, they're gonna be like, Oh my god. Right. Grown ups are all such fucking hypocrites, like holy shit. Oh you yeah. Know? And and of course, as an adult, you recognize that, well, you know, we're not always hypocrites. We just look like we're hypocrites because <laughs> you're not quite old enough to understand what we're trying to tell you. And there is that going on. But like, if you want to point satire at a 13 year old, like fucking do it. man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they will eat it up. Oh, and, yeah. and, and of any of any group that I think needs to be. If 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 I were to change the media landscape in a meaningful way, one of the things I would want to do is be like, no, no, if you're going to do a show for 12 and 13 year olds, because I'm I'm teaching seventh and eighth graders, so this mm-hmm. is my bailiwick. If you're going to do a series for 12 and 13 year olds, like, no, no, don't talk fucking down to them. Right. Like whatever you do, don't make the mistake of talking down to them. Assume they are if not smarter than you think, assume they are savvier than you think and run with it. Yeah. And they will, and they will eat it up and what you will wind up creating will be far better for the effort, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, yeah, I think, I think a show like this one, toxic crusaders, you know, yeah, toxic crusaders, because I, I want to go back to Toxic Avenger as the title because mm-hmm. I know that's the source material. Right. But yeah, you know, a show like Toxic Crusaders, a show like like take Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. and make it a little bit less I'm trying to think what the word is I'm looking for. Make it a little bit more subversive. Make it a little bit more satirical. Mm-hmm. Like up up the level of that involved in it 
and aim that at my students and they will go apeshit. Right. Because because if you if you talk to them in a way that recognizes their intelligence, mm-hmm. they're going to love you for it because oh, yeah. not enough people do that. Like a, a, a huge reason that, you know, our friend Tessa and, and millennials are so desperately in love with SpongeBob SquarePants mm-hmm. is because like when they were that age, it was talking to them in a way that was like, no, 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 we're not going to talk down to you. We're going to be satirical and sarcastic and right. we're going to do this stuff. And, and they're like, oh my God, this is, this is, these are my people. This is my, this is my language. Mm-hmm. Like, if 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 producers of media for young people could figure that out and stick with it, I think they'd be doing the world a service because sarcasm is kind of a tool in critical thinking. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And you subversion. Know. And so I think yeah. if we if we look at the the cartoons that you liked that you wanted to see go on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. they all had rich worlds. They yes. all had, um, archetypical characters. Yes. Um, two of which dealt with the sea and yeah. one was post-apocalyptic. Yeah. If we look at mine, they all had 13 yeah. episodes. Uh, <laughs> they almost always Neurology. dealt with ideas of identity. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and if they didn't, then they were all subversive. I I think it's interesting that mine are very earnest, mm-hmm. yeah, and yours lean in a direction of being subversive. My, and mine I, are I bratty think... as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but there's an earnestness in being bratty too. There can be. You there, know, there's certainly but, but a I, purity to it. Oh yeah, well yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there's a straightforwardness to it that yeah. that you know, like there's there's so much like no no I mustn't do that restraint involved in in being Polly Pureheart you know that like <laughs> right it's it's very liberating not not to not to have to worry about that but you know yeah I I think I think it does it does say an awful lot about the two of us what it is that we, we what we chose um yeah yeah. I would agree. Well, uh, we've given people two episodes of fantastic recommendations, probably easily found on YouTube. Oh, all of them. I'm sure. Um, I, I know, I know for a fact, uh, Thunder of the Barbarian and, um, Tiger Sharks can be found on YouTube. I'm not as sure about Pirates of Dark Water, but I mm-hmm. think parts of it can. However, I do know the Pirates of Dark Water got a DVD release. Oh. At least. Nice. Even though it deserves a third fucking season, Cartoon Network, Hanna-Barbera, get on it. Let us know how the story ends, even if you have to cast other voice actors. Mm-hmm. Except Hector Elizondo. Keep Hector Elizondo <laughs> for the love Bring of him God. Back. Keep Bring Hector him back. Elizondo, because holy crap. Yeah. But everybody else, you can, I mean, if you need to, you can change them out. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, where can people find you on social medias if they want to discuss editing ideas? Uh, I can be found uh, on uh, Twitter as E.H. Blaylock. I can be found on Instagram as E.H. Blaylock. 
I can be found on TikTok as Mr. Blaylock uh, because that's how I introduce myself to my students. Uh, and, of course, the two of us collectively can be found on Twitter at Geek History Time. And if they want to uh, correct you about some point of <laughs> lore with uh, the Toxic Crusaders, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at at the harmony two h's in the middle uh uh on the twitter and the insta and like ed said you can find us at at geek history time uh you can also find this podcast on stitcher spotify as well as the uh apple podcast app uh and we would love it if you would please go rate subscribe review uh, let us know what you think, especially if it's got the five stars. That gets our Q factor up, and it allows your friends to share it with you more often. Uh, so Por favor. Yes, we would love it if you would please rate, subscribe, and review. Um, but uh, otherwise, you can find me at uh, on Tuesday nights at twitch.tv forward slash capital puns. Slinging puns all over the place, and then there's the occasional uh, contest uh, throughout the world that I'm a part of sometimes. So, yeah. So, uh, for Geek History of Time, rate, subscribe, and review, please. Uh, I'm Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, Lords of Light! <laughs>